If you haven't been with us, we've been in this series called Just Google It, and we're done with that. Um, but God has been doing some cool things. Like, he's been really working on us when it comes to relating to each other, building relationships, deep relationships, how we do that, why we need to do that, how God can be at the center of all of that, and how that is really, I, I think, become kind of a little bit of our fabric here at Second Place. Um, and so I was preparing for this new series, and I'm so pumped that we're starting a new series today called Change Your World in 52 Days. So this series is really going to be a walk through the book of Nehemiah. And maybe you've you heard, have heard of him, maybe you've never looked at this book before. But last week, we talked a little bit about the idea that Ezra, the book of Ezra and the book of Nehemiah, some think, some scholars think that those were one book at one time. And the reason is because they're both very historical and they refer to some of the similar um, uh, people that were alive during that time. Um, what's really awesome about that is we kind of talked about this, uh, this phase about 60 years before we see ne Nehemiah where Zerubbabel, got to get that name out right, Zerubbabel went back and, and built uh, the temple and rebuilt the temple. Um, but it wasn't as great as the original temple. It wasn't, it wasn't that God's presence didn't descend into it. There wasn't, um, it just wasn't as nice, you know, it wasn't the same. And then a, a few years later, um, about 50, 60 years later, Ezra was on the scene and he brought the people back together around the word of God and he, he showed them the word of God and it wasn't really okay because the people of God really didn't follow the word of God. Um, and so there was, there was that, that, that kind of happened. Now we kind of pick up Nehemiah uh, just a few years later, maybe 10 or 12 years later, where Nehemiah is, is where uh, he begins to say, you know what, I need to do something about the walls of Jerusalem, if you know the story. And, and as I was preparing for today, I really had it like on lockdown. I'm like, okay, I know this is going to be good. We talked a lot about like, what is God stirring in your heart last week? I don't know if you guys did any of that kind of work this week, but um, we talked about what is God stirring in your heart? Because what's in your heart and out of the abundance of that is what comes out of your mouth, <laughs> And we talked about the fact that words create worlds. And, and that was kind of the theme. I'm like, all right, this is good. We're going to kick off this series. It's going to be about this right here. And then have you ever been around a semi when they put the air brakes on? And you're like, oh, come on, really, dude? Like, that's so loud. It was like God did that. And he's like, put the air brakes on where I was going. He said, nope, we're going to do this instead. And, and here, if I, were to, if I were to give you the big idea for the day right now, I'll hand it to you right now, and then we'll kind of get into it, is that God can't change your world until God changes your world. Whoa. Let me re-say that. God can't change the world around you until he changes the world inside you. And, and where we're going to start today is, is really a question. Is what do you do when things are not okay? What do you do when things are not okay? About a year and a half, almost two years ago now, my mom um, went uh, past and, and uh, is, is uh, not rolling through the warehouse in a, in a wheelchair anymore. And, and, and that was, uh, that two years prior to her passing was, was a not okay time for us. Uh, we, we had a lot of conversations about my mom's condition. She, she had MS and she dealt with that since she was diagnosed when she was 18 years old. So like in the 60s. And so it was just uh, amazing to, to watch her kind of battle through that all my life. And I remember 
you know, those conversations around, you know, um, having her come and live with us for eight months. And at one time, we, we counted the number of nurses that came through, the home health nurses, probably like eight or nine nurses would come through during the week and take care of her at our house. And, and things were not okay with mom. And, and then we had to make the hard decision of an assisted living situation and then a nursing home and, 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 and all that happened. And then she got a little bit more sick and she had some heart issues and, and everything through that process was not okay. Uh, I remember, um, if you, some of you have met my mom, some of you had this happen to you, um, she would come to church with us while, when she lived with us and she would always, 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 no matter how many times she told you, no matter, if she could have told you, Sophia, like a hundred times in a row, every week for like two years, she would make sure that you knew that I was her son. Like, you know, Joe's my son. And I'm like, mom, like these people, they know that. Like, stop. But I miss that, right? I miss that about my mom that, she, you know, she was proud of me and she was always, I had one person that would laugh at my jokes, one person that would like say such a good job, Joe, and now I have to like rely on y'all and you guys are, no, you guys are good. You guys are not okay. No, it's good. What do you do when things are not okay? I mean, to lighten it up a little bit, I mean, you got like, um, you know, these walkers yesterday, you know, that was not okay. Like these blisters, you know, like they were wrapping their feet, you know, throughout the day. Um, The bears, you know, things are not okay. Um, Yeah. You know, you got uh, protests in Hong Kong. You've got wildfires in California. You've got an impeachment process. You've got politics. You've got all this stuff that's happening in our world, and it's not okay. You know, I think one thing today that I want to encourage you about is that when things are not okay, it's okay. I, I want you to know that if, if it's okay to not be okay at second place. Because what we're going to do over these 52 days, and what we do all year, year round, is we work together, we do life together, and we say, you know what, life isn't perfect. But when we have a community that's centered on our faith and on Jesus, we can persevere and we can help each other get through. And I really believe that this space is a place for healing, it's a place for us to be able to connect with each other and to see God do great things. Are you guys down for that? So 52 days, this is, a day, this is a day that God knew that you would be here. He knew that you would be here. There's no mistakes in God's economy. So you, you think that you just showed up and you know, nobody knew, nobody noticed. Let me tell you, God knew that you would be here. And in this air breaks message that God has for us today, I think is really important for us to listen to because God, before we get into how you're going to change your world, you got to get into how he's going to change your world here. Right? And so if you have a Bible, I want you to just kind of lean into Nehemiah chapter 1. We're going to look at this passage of Nehemiah, and, and we're going to just walk through it and help us understand what's going on. All right? So let me pray. Heavenly Father, before we rush into your word, we, we, we take a moment to pause and say, God, you are the teacher, we are the student. We absolutely don't know what we're doing, and we need you to speak to us. We need you to speak to us. And so, Lord, we posture ourselves in an open way, open our hearts, open our minds to what we see in your word. And, Lord, help us apply what we see from an, a, a man from thousands of years ago and what he can teach us about what to do when things are not okay. In Jesus' name I pray. So Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1, goes like this. 
The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakali, in the month of Kislev, which is, by the way, before we keep going, November, December, so it's like Kislev is the month, this is where we're doing, it's almost like we planned it. In the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. So what we know right now is that he is asking about, he's been exiled, and he's asking about those that remained there, that didn't get exiled, and others that went back. How's it going? And they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. What they're telling Nehemiah is, guess what? You're asking about how things are going back home? Things are not okay. And then it says this, verse 4. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. And for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. So Nehemiah, he's a thousand miles away from Jerusalem. And he's asking, how is it going? And they begin to tell him that things are not okay. The, the walls are in ruins. They've been burned. There was a little attempt to rebuild years ago, and it didn't get finished. And so he has to figure out what does he do when things are not okay. Some of you guys are blank filler inners. On the back of your news and events, I want to care for you and make sure that you can write in every blank, all right? So we're going to step through what I just read, because I think we might have missed it, but I'm going to go ahead and step through, almost like in slow-mo, we're going to go through verse 4, and we're going to look at what did Nehemiah do when things were not okay. Are you guys ready? The first blank, the first thing is this, he heard the things. When I heard these things, he heard the things. He, somehow, his ears were tuned in to what his brothers were saying to him. He had some sort of rhythm in his life where he actually had some information given to him that was not okay, and he heard it. He heard what they said to him. How many times... And how, when's the last time that you really sat down and you heard what someone was saying to you? And how many times of it was it not okay? Like, I got it. I heard what you said. So we'll, we'll, we'll be having a conversation. Someone will be sharing their heart with us. And we're thinking about what we've got to go do that day. We might be sitting with our kid and we're thinking about what we have to do at work. Or we might be, be listening to the radio and we're listening to the, oh, we've got this news at the top of the hour. And here comes, you know, the wildfires and Trump and we have all this other stuff that's happening. And you, you just kind of blow right by it. And you're waiting for it to get over because you want to listen to your music. And then as you get going, all of a sudden somebody at work later on says, hey, you know what? I just heard about the wildfires. Like, oh, yeah. I heard about something too. Yeah, that was, I heard that, I think, on the radio on the way in. We just literally, we, we hear these things, but we don't hear these things, right? And we just keep on blowing right through our life. When's the last time you actually sat down, and I think about it like eye to eye, and you just listen to someone tell you what's going on? Somebody just says to you, this is what's going on in my life, and you're able to actually hear what they say. So the first thing that Nehemiah does when things are not okay is he, he listens, he hears. 
the things. What's the, what's the second thing that he does? The second thing that he does is that he says, I sat down. I sat down. When's the last time that somebody told you some information and your reaction was to sit down? So Nehemiah is there, and he's like, hey, you know what? How's it going back home? Let me know. I want to know. How are the, the people that are still there? What's going on? And they tell him that it's not okay. And his reaction is to sit down. Sitting down is not celebrated here in our culture today. Nope, you got to keep moving. You got to be productive. You got to be efficient. You need to get that raise. You need to get that promotion. You got to continue to do what you know to do, and you need to keep doing it. But man, to think about this, that Nehemiah was like, you know what? I heard what you said. I'm going to sit down. And he sits down. What does it mean to sit down? It means to be present. It means to be able to think about what it is that you're hearing, to be able to understand a little bit about what's happening. What is it that is God's saying? What is, what is it that's going on? And he sits down. When's the last time that you sat down? What's the next thing that he does? The next blank on your sheet if you're following along. It says that he sat down, he heard the things, he sat down, and he wept. He cried. So this is how this message is going. All right, Emma? It's this way. When's the last time that you heard something and you really heard it and you sat down because of the gravity of what was said to you and you cried? Now, this is the deal. There's no crying in baseball, and there's no crying, right, guys? There's no crying. No tears. Do not connect with your emotions. Not cool, right? Nehemiah would say, not for me, man. He literally hears the things. He sits down, and he cries. He would tell you, you know what? I was feeling it. I felt it deep down. And the tears began to flow. Not cool by today's standards. What I'm telling you right now is that your tears mean something. Sometimes we have tears of joy. Sometimes they're tears of sadness. I've done enough funerals, and I know this. When there's tears flowing, sometimes the words that we need to know is that our tears communicate to us that things are not okay. Our tears are our declaration that what is happening should not be. And Nehemiah is in tune with that part of who he is. Why would he be moved emotionally? He has no reason. None. Think about it. He's a thousand miles away. He doesn't have anything to do with them. He's a, he doesn't have to be bothered by that. But he hears it, he sits down, and he cries. What's the next thing that he does? The next thing that he does is that for some days, he says, I mourned. For some days, I mourned. Now, we know that by the text that we know that there isn't anybody that he's mourning the death of, right? Because no one died in this passage. <laughs> we know that he's mourning 
something, though. He says, for some days I mourned. I, he's mourning th- this dream, this, this connection back to his people. His people are not okay. This is who he is. These are his brothers, his sisters. These are the people of God. He is mourning a dream. He's mourning a prophecy that says that God, this is the city of God. This is where the people of God are to worship God. The temple's not okay. And the word of God has gone out, but the people are not living according to it. And now the walls are being burnt and down to the ground. He is mourning the dream that should be and is not. When's the last time that you heard the things, you sat down, you cried, and you mourned. You see, I think uh, the way that it is like unresolved grief, right? When we, are, we, we have so much um, expectation in our life, so many things that we dream about when we're young, so many things that we believe for when we're young, and so many times that what we believe for, the expectations are not met. And so that gap causes us to just basically give up, or at least it, it causes us to ignore that fact. And some folks say that a lot of our depression in our world is tied to unresolved grief because we've just been battled and beat down so many times where our dreams and our, our desires and our hopes that we've had did not come to pass. And we never said it. We never mourned it. We never said, you know what? I was hoping for this, but this is where things are at. I need to at least say, you know what? Let's talk about the gap. And maybe I need to spend some time. When's the last time that you said, you know what? I, I need to just put some things to bed. I need to just put this to rest. And I'm going to take a moment to mourn over that, but I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. I, I don't know, but this is what he did. He mourned, and he didn't do it for, a, for a, a, an hour or a day. He mourned for some days. So the crying is like this outward expression of what's going on, but the mourning is like he makes an inward move, and now he's mourning, like he's going inside, he's going like doing some heart work, right? And so he mourns, and what's the next thing that it says that he did? He mourns, and he fasted. <laughs> he fasted. This is where he, he, this was a very ceremonial thing, it was a very um, spiritual thing. This is something that he said, you know what, I am not eating because I am so upset about what's going on, because things are not okay. I am giving up food because I want it to be a symbol to you guys to how upset I am about what's happening in my life. And I need you to move in my life. I need you to move among our people. The city of God is not okay. And I'm going to give up food as a symbol to you to say, God, move in this place. When's the last time that you said, you know what? God, I need you to speak to me. And right now, the best I can do, I'm so upset about what's going on in my life. Things are not okay. I want, to, I want you to speak to me through my hunger. I want you to speak to me through my stomach. Because what ends up happening, when I, when I go without a meal, guess what I find out? I'm human. I, I can't go there a couple, couple hours before my body wants something and needs something to be put into it so it's not hungry anymore. You think that we have a dependence on something? I want, as I fast, I say, God, I want to be as dependent on you as I am for my next meal. He fasted. He didn't fast a meal. He fasted for some days. For some days, I mourned and I fasted. When's the last time that you fasted a meal? 
I'm guessing if you're like me, there's probably some aspect of your life or someone you know really well, things are not okay. When's the last time that you've said, you know what, God, as a symbol to you, as an as a outward gesture and an inward move to me, I am not going to go with, uh, with food today. I'm going to take off. I'm, I'm not going to eat lunch or dinner or the whole day. And I just want you to know that I need you to move in my life. And something supernatural happens as you connect those dots. Maybe you're needing to fast food, but maybe you're needing to fast coffee or Starbucks or social media or a person. Oops, sorry, didn't mean to go there. But some of you need to fast from someone, maybe. So this is what he does. He sits down. He hears the things. He sits down. He weeps. And for some days, he mourned. He fasted. And what's the last thing he did? It says that he prayed. Now, of all the lists, this is great, right? Because the list is super easy when it gets to this point. Because we all pray, right? I mean, even if you don't believe in God, you pray. Like when, when, when somebody cuts you off on 57 doing, you know, like the speed limit, that's like, you know, I don't know, 85 miles an hour. They, they, they cut you off. You know, oh, God. And you're like, that was a prayer. That was a prayer. Or, or the prayer typically, like, that we really like to use is the one that goes like, hey, God, listen, here's the deal. If I could just get out of this bind, if you could help me get out of this situation that I'm in, I promise you, I promise you that I will, will serve you the rest of my life. I promise you that I will read my Bible every day. I promise. Now, how many of you know someone that has prayed that prayer like that before? Not you, but someone you know. Yeah. Right, exactly. We would never pray that prayer, but that's the type of thing that we do. But we, we do that, and so praying is like of the whole list of really listening, of sitting down, mourning, fasting, all those things, crying, all that. The thing that we probably do more often than any of that is we pray, and our prayers are kind of like these, these lifeline prayers, like, hey, God, right now I need you. And so this is all kind of where we're at. And, and here's what I want you to, to know. As part of these 52 days, you have the opportunity today to, to turn some things around in your life. Now, that opportunity is, is for you any time of day or night because God is good like that. However, today you're here. And there are no mistakes in God's economy. God knew you would be here. And, and so today, as we kick these 52 days off, I want you to, to ask yourself, uh, what are you going to remember about this message at lunchtime. My guess is that you're going to remember a couple of things. Good job. But maybe by tonight, it's going to get a little fuzzy. And so then tomorrow morning when you get up, what are you going to remember about this message? What are you going to remember Tuesday when you're at work? What are you going to remember Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? What is it that's going to actually allow you not to just remember what was talked about, but what is going to allow you and help you and inspire you? How can we be inspired to engage in this passage and to feel the weight of what it means to sit down and to cry and to mourn and to fast and to pray? So the weekend services, as you know, is a time when we, we, we put out the words of life to you, and we want you to know that. But we really believe that it's more important, I'll say it that way, it's more important what happens tomorrow than what we say today. And so we've put together, you got, many of you guys know, these soul workouts. 
And these soul workouts are free. There's nothing. It's a gift from us to you. Um, I've put together 52, um, a, a pathway for 52 soul workouts. What is a soul workout? Very quickly, this is what unlocks the ability for you to be inspired to go deeper into your work. Just like when you go into a gym, you got to get your reps in. You got to get there consistently. You can't get like you can't get that dad bod with working out. Well, you can working out once a week. That's how you get the dad bod. But this is what allows us to do the consistent work in our heart. Jesus said, "What does it profit a man for he to gain the entire world but lose his soul?" And so this is what we're all about. What we're trying to say is like, our gift to you, how do I get these? Well, the, the number is up there. You text the word change to that number. Then every day you're going to get a little reminder text. It's going to come very early in the morning. And you're going to, because lots of people work. And you're going you're gonna to go ahead and have a link to that day's workout. And it's going to challenge you. If you're the type of person that goes to the gym and puts the treadmill on one, this is not for you. All right? We don't do that. In order to get stronger, you got to challenge yourself. Am I right? So guess what's going to happen? You're going to be challenged in things in the disciplines and in the temperaments, the dip disciplines like, like fasting and, and being able to spend time alone with God, solitude and silence. These are things that we don't normally do because we don't normally pick up the heavier weights, right? And this is what this is going to help us do, is help us pick up some weights that we don't normally pick up. You're going to look at the temperaments, and there's going to be things that, that you're going to be challenged to do that you don't necessarily, you're not wired to do. But guess what? The way that you grow is by doing something that you're, you're not really ready to do. So some of you are like, I hate being outside. Cool. This week, I think, this week is you're going to be um, challenged to go out for a walk for 10 minutes. Got you, right? Some of you are like, I love going outside. Can't wait for that day. Cool. There's going to be other things that are going to challenge you. You're going to be challenged to give up a meal this week. But what could God do, do through it? So instead of just remembering this message, we're going to actually experience it together. And so that's the idea behind this. Um, this is something that happens. Most of these you can get done in 10 to 15 minutes. And it's just a way to engage your day. My recommendation is to do it in the morning before you get really going. And it sets your pace for the day. You guys down? Caleb, will you come here real quick? I want to just um, have you share a thought. He was sharing this with me um, just a few minutes ago and last night, and I just wanted him to be able to uh, share what his connection to that idea is. So you guys are the lucky ones. I didn't talk to Joe about this until after service last night, and I might have overslept this morning. Uh, so you can decide afterwards if this means you're the lucky ones or if you should have come earlier. Uh, so... One of, if not the most pivotal moments in my faith happened about four or five years ago, and I was just royally mad at God. Um, I had had a hard conversation. I heard the bad things. I heard the things that weren't okay. Um, and at that moment, I felt like I lost God. I lost my community. I lost a lot of things. Um, and I just kind of stormed around, and I was pissed off, and I just didn't know what to do about it until I calmed down, and then I sat down, and I cried, Right? I let myself just kind of experience that and to sit in it for a second. Um, and I mourned, right? I was grieving the loss of a lot of things, of the life that I thought that I was going to have, of the life that I thought that I had, of who I thought I was, of who I thought God was. I had a lot of grief. Um, and I sat in that for a second, and then I got up, and this is where, 
Nehemiah and I kind of switch a little bit. I didn't fast right after that. This happened relatively quickly. Um, but we'll get back to those. I prayed. Um, and I prayed that I would understand God better. Because up until then, I felt like maybe over here I either misunderstood God or I misheard or I attributed something to God that wasn't actually God, right? And that's how I wound up here. So once I got through all of that, I prayed to God that if you expect me to listen, I expect you to say something. Um, maybe that's a little forward to, you know, make that demand of God like that. Um, I was still a little angry. Uh, <laughs> but I said, if you expect me to listen, I expect you to say something, right? And as we all know, like those big pivotal moments, right, they're not the end of the story ever, right? They feel good. Moments where you say like, God, like if you get me through this, I'll, you know, be the best person I can be forever and ever, right? Those moments aren't like the end of the story. There's a lot that comes after that. And what was important about that moment for me was all the way up until then, I was the person that was like, God, get me through this and I'll be better. Get me through this and I would be better. And I didn't promise that I would be better, right? I didn't promise that I would do well. I didn't promise that I would be perfect. I didn't promise that I would do anything. I just promised that I would listen, right? And that's it. Um, and because of that, it was all of these moments afterwards. I'm going to walk past you. I need the timeline. Uh, all of the moments afterwards were moments when I had to engage and I had to learn to listen, right? We always talk about what's the difference between hearing and listening, right? Hearing is passive, like I can hear the traffic outside, I can hear the kids in the back, I can hear people rustling, right? I'm not paying attention to it. But listening is an active thing, something I'm choosing to do. When I'm hearing, it's just coming to me and I'm only paying attention to the things that I want, right? We don't do that to God. We don't just hear and pull out the things that we want. We actively engage, we listen, we take whatever it is that God has for us, regardless of what it is, regardless of whether we want it or we like it, we take it. And that's where conviction steps in. That's where action comes from, right? Is we listen to what God has to say and we act on that, right? It's not the other way around. And this is a discipline, right? We talked about fasting as a discipline. I think learning to listen takes a lot of discipline, right? Because like I said, it's not just something that happens, it's an active process. It's something I'm engaging in, I'm stepping into that, right? And that's where I think these soul workouts come in. So there's a little bit of a plug in here too, is this is intentional. This is learning to listen. This is taking something that will challenge you, something that maybe you wouldn't want to do on your own. Thank you. Something that maybe you wouldn't have thought to do outside of this, right? But I'm taking it and I'm doing it and I'm taking in what it has to say and what God has to say to me, regardless of what I want, regardless of my comfort, regardless of what I need God to say to me, I understand that if I'm listening, God is going to say what God needs to say to me, right? And yeah, that's, that's where I was last night. So here you go. Thank you, Caleb. I think what he said in that, there is, there is a, a word that he used. He used the word pivot. And I, I want us to, to see what continues to happen in Nehemiah's life. Because after he does all the things that he says in verse 4, then something happens. He says, these, he writes on these three words. He says, then I said. So after I heard, after I sat down, after I cried, after I mourned, fasted, and I prayed, then I said this. And this is the moment, you guys. This is the moment. See, he may have prayed. We don't know what he prayed before, but what we do know is what he prayed then. He took what happened and it, he pivoted something, changes in his heart that causes him to pivot. Now, some of you are in that cycle. 
you're in the cycle of, oh no, things are not okay. I'm going I'm to descend a little bit down in here. I'm going to maybe hear more garbage that's not okay. And then I'm going to sit down. I'm going to maybe cry about that, weep about that. Maybe I'm going to mourn about that. And if we talk to you, when you're in those moments, we know where you're at a little bit because you're just so down, right? You're so not okay. And we want to know that that's okay. We can be there for you during those moments. But there is a moment that happens in Nehemiah's life where he pivots or he shifts the gears and all of a sudden something stands up inside of Nehemiah and he begins to pray a prayer that's different. He prays a different prayer. And some of us are in that right now where we need to say, today's the day, God. 52 days, I'm ready. That's a great excuse. Day one, let's go. I'm ready. I'm going to pivot. Let's see what Nehemiah says. It says in verse 5, Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God. He starts when things are not okay, he stands up and he doesn't say, look, this is what I need you to do. He doesn't do that. He says, guess what, God, you are awesome. He correctly positions himself and he allows God and he declares who God is. Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him, and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to, the, to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself, and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, even if you have forgotten who God is, he has not forgotten you. Even if you feel so far away from God, at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there. And bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. He literally quotes God's words back to God. As if God needed the reminder, right? And then he says this. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant. And to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. What we have to deduce in Nehemiah's prayer is that he had something dropped into his heart by God. And he had come up with a plan to go before the king with what everything was, which was not okay. He was going to go to the king, and we see that at the very end. But before he does that, he prays this prayer, and he basically says, God, before you change my world out there, I need you to change my world in here. 
And I think this is the air brakes. This is the brakes that I felt. Before we can move into this 52 days, we need to take a minute and make sure we're right with God. We need to make sure that we have a right stand. We have, a, we have an open line of communication. Nehemiah knew that the things in our life, the unconfessed things, the things that we know are creating static on the line between us and God, they do just that. They create static on the line. And we can't quite hear him. We, let me tell you, you, God has given you a burden for this world. He has given you some sort of holy discontent. Like these kids, they, they, you will walk 50 miles for something. I believe that there's something in you that you will walk 50 miles for. But you won't have that full knowledge and understanding of what that could do to this world and for this world until you have a covenant relationship with Christ and you say, God, I surrender my life to you. I need you to be my savior. I definitely don't know what I'm doing. And I'm going to turn my life over to you to be Lord of it. And now it's yours. And when you do that, that's what unlocks the burden. And you start to see, whoa, this is what we can walk 50 miles to end human trafficking. And we can do that for the glory of God. I believe that God is putting something, has put something in your heart. Your passion isn't out there. It's in here. Before you can change the world out there, God has to change the world in here. So, Ban can come up. This is, what, this is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that there's some of us that are here that are in this spot, and I want to encourage you because um, the band makes fun of me when I do this, but I, I rewrote um, the prayer. And I'm not, I, I just do that sometimes because, like, Nehemiah, like, he's my guy, but he, his guy was Moses. Like, he was all about Moses. And, and you know, who's our guy? Jesus, right? Like, this is, Jesus is our focus. Like, he's our focus. And so, when I want to interact with Nehemiah's prayer, like, I can do it, but it's kind of like, it's a little bit, it's a little hard because I know that he doesn't understand what's coming, right? He, he, he's describing what he really needs, but he, he's kind of feeling like Moses, no, it's Jesus. And so, I rewrote it, all right? Is that cool? And I don't know about this, but I wonder if maybe you're right now, you're feeling like this is the time I need to make a move. I need to shift out of the thinking that I've been in. I've been mourning for some days. I've been praying for some days. I've been crying for some days. And now it's time. It's time for me to move. And you know who you are. And here's what I want to do. I want you to make this your prayer. And right now, there's going to be people that are going to literally cross over the line from being just, you know what, this is just me, and this is me trying to do what I'm trying to do, to literally walking into the kingdom of God. And you're going to begin to see things. Jesus said you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. You can't see it. And there's going to be people in here for the very first time, you're going to see what your life could mean when it's surrendered to God. And some of the others of you are going to pray this with me, and it's going to be, you know what, a recommit. You're going to recommit your life to God over the next 45 seconds. And so as I read it, you can pray it. And as I pray it, you can pray it to yourself. And so here's how it goes. Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keeps his covenants and commandments, and even when they don't, May your ears hear me and your eyes be open to my prayer that I am praying before you day and night for me, my family, my friends, my community, my country, and our world. I confess my sins 
And I acknowledge all the acts that we have committed against you. We have acted and I have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands and message of Jesus very well. But remember the instruction you brought me through Jesus, that if I continue to try on my own, I will be scattered and lost. But if I return to you, I believe in my heart, and I confess with my mouth that you are the Messiah, I will be saved. And as I surrender, I go beyond Savior to Lord, and I surrender to you, my life will, be, will come together. You will mend my heart as your spirit dwells in me. I am your servant, and we are your people, whom you redeemed by your great strength, your mighty hand, and your perfect plan. Lord, let your ears hear my prayer, and hear the prayers of your people who delight in worshiping your name. Please expand my influence, give me favor, bless the work of my hands, and protect me from danger all my days. Leave that last slide up real quick. Some of you guys have prayed that prayer for the very first time. I want to encourage you to know that this is a new day. Today is the beginning of a whole new world for you. I love how it says to be your ears hear the prayers of those who delight in worshiping your name. You know, in the next few minutes, the band's going to play, and it's going to get a little bit different and crazy because we've got different instruments up here, right? And we've got the string section and all that, which is so cool. I mean, Danielle and Josh switched. I don't know if you know that. They switched. They're, they're so talented. But I want you to, not less, to focus less on the music right now and more on what God's saying to your heart. And if you need to, like, push a chair out of the way, go find a spot. I mean, Max has already got a spot decked out right over there. You know, he's already got it right there. And you need to find a spot to, like, get some elbow room to get quiet with God, to just allow God to speak to you, then do it. If you need to raise your hands, if you need to raise your voice, if you need to kneel down and pray, this is where freedom is. There's freedom to do that today because the goal is not for you to get the words right that are on the screen. The goal is for you to do some, some work with God in the next few minutes. Today we also, because it's the first weekend of the month, we remember the sacrifice of Jesus with communion. And there's communion on the two tables that are behind you, and those, and also this one up here. And anytime during the next three songs, you can slip out of your seat if you haven't already gotten out, and you can go and, and get the cup and the bread and, and spend some time by yourself or with your friends or your family. And just remember that the reason why we can pray that prayer is because of what Jesus did on the cross you've just put your faith in him. And so, Heavenly Father, why don't we stand? Heavenly Father, as we go to worship, and Lord, we just want to continue the work that you're doing in our life. Lord, we ask you, God, to continue to speak to us. Lord, for those of us in the room that are in the middle of the pivot, in the middle of shifting our gears, Lord, we pray, God, that this community would continue to be there for them. And Lord, we pray that their faith would would well up and that the Spirit of God would fill them. And Lord, that as we move into these 52 days, Lord, that we would not take them lightly, but we would see, Lord God, what you will do for us and we will be amazed at the end. Lord, as we remember your sacrifice, we pray, God, that we would remember the body that was broken for our healing, our bodies, our emotions, our minds. And Lord, for your blood that was spilled, Lord God, for the forgiveness of our sins for us, Lord God, to be able to be in right relationship with you. 
And Lord God, to bring us new life. Hear us as we sing. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name.